0: Hi, Jasmine Belcher-Morris from StoryCorps here. I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, the TED Radio Hour. I promise every time you listen, you'll learn something. And you'll hear from people with great ideas, including StoryCorps founder Dave Isay, this year's TED Prize winner. Find the TED Radio Hour podcast at npr.org podcasts and on the NPR One app.
1: This is the StoryCorps Podcast. I'm Michael Garofalo. In this episode, we're listening to stories about admiration on large and small scales. Whether you're somebody who's been a fixture outside a New York City landmark for nearly half a century, or an old friend who just needs a pep talk, it's nice to know that there's somebody out there rooting for you. And a StoryCorps interview can be the perfect place to say, hey, I'm your biggest fan. This first interview was recorded about 10 years ago, pretty early on in the history of StoryCorps, and I have to admit it's still one of my favorite uses of a StoryCorps interview ever. It has its start at New York City's Plaza Hotel, which is situated at the foot of Central Park. For more than 45 years, Ed Trinka worked as a doorman there, greeting not only guests, but also just about anyone who was passing by within earshot. One of the people who Ed greeted each day was Deborah Goodman, She passed him on her way to work, and when Deborah heard about StoryCorps, she decided she wanted to interview Ed to find out more about
2: him and his work.
0: How did you get the job as doorman at the Plaza Hotel?
2: Well, my father was a garage manager at the Plaza for 30 years, and he was friends with all the doormen, and when I graduated from high school, he said, there's a nice job for you over there. Just go over and talk to somebody. One of the doormen was sick, and they put the hat and coat on me, which fit very well, and they put me on the door right away, and I got outside and started working. That was my first job, and, and uh, it was great.
0: What was the best tip you ever got?
2: Well, I always tell a story about Jackie Gleason for Christmas time. He says to me, what was the biggest tip you ever got? And I says, well, $100. And he says, here's $150, and Merry Christmas. He says, by the way, who was the one that gave you the 100 I said, well, that was you last year.
0: Now, I got to know you because I walk to work every morning and then I cut by the plaza and I see you and you made my day because good morning, young lady, beautiful day. You
2: no, know, that's what it's all about, being in front there and smiling and, and and just making everybody happy, and that's the whole thing of it. You know, anybody that comes in there is a VIP, and when they tell me you treat them like a VIP, I say, I already do. I had a guest that come in one morning, 6.30 in the morning, and he had to go to a very important meeting, and he asked me where he could get his shoes shined, and I said, don't open till 8 o'clock, our barber shop. So I says, I'll tell you what, give me the shoes, and you come back in a half an hour or so, and I'll have them done. I ran down to my locker, got my shoe shine kit, which I have in my locker to shine my shoes, shined them up for him, come back up. He come by, put his shoes on, got to the meeting, and he's one of my best friends. Matter of fact, he comes back to the plaza all the time. You know, my father told me years ago, he said, be such a man and live such a life that if everybody lived a life like yours, this would be God's paradise. And I go by that.
1: That's Plaza Hotel doorman Ed Trinka with Deborah Goodman in New York City. Ed is now retired, but to give you a sense of just how large the plaza loomed in his life, he even met his wife at the plaza. She was a nanny who worked for a family who was staying there. So, at some point, you've probably read a book and felt like the author really saw the world the way that you did. And maybe, especially if you were an angst-filled teenager at the time, maybe you felt like if you could just sit down with that writer and chat, you'd become fast friends. I'd venture that probably no other 20th century author inspired that feeling more than J.D. Salinger, who wrote The Catcher in the Rye. Of course, he was famously reclusive, but that just stoked the flame for a young man named Jim Kravchak, In the late 1960s, he decided to get in his car, drive from his home in Wisconsin to New Hampshire, where Salinger lived, and try to meet the writer he admired
3: most. I don't really recall a a town or anything. It was like a building that was like the post office, the gas station, and the general store, all wrapped into one. So I went inside and I told him, I says, uh, you know, my name's Jim Croftrick. I'm from Wisconsin. I was wondering if uh, you could tell me where J.D. Salinger lives. He says, huh, you're never going to see him. Even the delivery boy doesn't see him. He leaves the groceries in the garage and picks up the money in an envelope. I goes, whoa, you know, I came a long way to, to meet this guy. So I talked to a retired school teacher. She gave me directions further. Now, this is so far back in the mountains that it was a dirt road. Amazingly, I didn't get lost. So I'm driving along and coming up on this house, and I look, and it's his house. I had a... Um, biography of him that described where he lived and everything. I goes, wow, I can't believe it. It's just like the book said, you know, it's really neat. I wasn't afraid, you know, like uh, bashful or anything like that. I thought I'm going to be cool about it. So I parked the car and went up, knocked on the door. And uh, this woman came out and it was his wife. And I says, "Uh, hello, uh, my name is Jim Kromchick. And I said, I'm wondering if I could uh, meet your husband. And she goes, anything he says, he says in his books. She slammed the door. I goes, whoa, i come a long way. Wow, this is something. So I turned around and uh, started to go down the steps, and she opened the door again, and she come out to the porch, and she says, him and I are divorced, and he lives across the road. So uh, I went down the road. I pulled in his uh, driveway, and I knocked on the door, and he had a screen that was like a copper mesh, and I really couldn't see it, and I'm straining to see him and everything. And just then a crack of thunder came so loud it felt like it was just above my head. And it started to rain. He came to the door. He says, you better come inside. You know, I goes, whoa. He didn't sit down or anything. He didn't offer me to, you know, you want a cup of coffee or something or nothing. You know, i mean, just, what do you want? And so I told him who I was. And uh, I asked him if he'd ever been in Wisconsin. And he said, yeah, he says he, he was there sometime during the war. I asked, "Did you think The Catcher in the Rye would be such a popular book? And I don't remember exactly what he said, but I think it was, it's been a nightmare. And why a nightmare, I don't know. Maybe because he gets so much fan mail or I don't know what. And I really wanted to ask him, can I see where you work? But I didn't want to be one of his phonies that he writes about, you know. So I, I, I kind of held back, you know. And I said, well, okay, thank you very much. I shook his hand, and that was it. This is uh, somebody that nobody meets. Nobody gets to see him. And I was in his kitchen. And I thought, man, this is the best vacation I ever had.
1: That's Jim Kravchak in Madison, Wisconsin. This last story documents a reunion. Ralph Tremonti and Donald Weiss grew up together, but it wasn't by choice. As children, they were committed to a New York State psychiatric institution. After their release, they went 40 years without seeing each other. So what you're about to hear is the first conversation they had since they were kids. And when they met up at the StoryCorps booth, and Ralph saw his old friend Donald, he got worried.
0: I'm seeing you after 40 years. And I'm seeing fear in you. And Let me ask you a very important question. Do you feel institutionalized? No. Because I'd like you to come out of that shell, man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, because not, not, you're not I'm, free in that shell. I'm free. And I, I want you to be free. I'm, I'm free. I do what I want now. But the only thing is... But you're still scared. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And I want to. Te- I want to tell you something else. Don't stop having interest in women. You're a free man. And you should feel that maybe you could pick up a lady or meet a lady. I have one. That's and a, great. And name is Marion. And don't, don't, another thing, what you should do is make your home more comfortable to live in. Get yourself a CD player. Listen to some music. Don't stay in that shell. Do you do a lot of reading? Yes. Yeah, a, a dirty novels. See, I do... Well, dirty novels is alright. That's not against the law. That's why they sell them, Donald. You're not allowing yourself to exercise your freedom, man. And that's what I want you to do, man. Because that'll make me real happy, and you'll be able to come out of that shell, man, because I really don't want you in, your, in that shell for the rest of your life. That's the way I feel about it, man. Okay. Go ahead, Donald. I want to hear you. I haven't seen you in 40 years. That fear and that darn lousy hospital is still my system. If it was, if it was, yeah, well, you're never going to get rid of that, but guess what? I might get rid of it but it's if it's gone. The memory is always going to be there, but guess what? You yeah. don't have to live it for the rest I get, of your I, life. I'll bite my fingers. Donald, they don't have that many hospitals to put anybody in no more. I know. We're not living in that era anymore. That era is dead. That That's era, dead. It's dead and buried. for, for, for You, you don't anymore. ever let anybody tell you they can do something to you. You're free, man. You don't have to take that. Am I right, Donald? Right. Say it loud and clear. Right,
1: 100%. That's Ralph Tremonti and Donald Weiss in New York City. So they came to StoryCorps because of a mental health professional named Jim Rye. He brought them together at the booth. And afterwards, he sent us this
0: letter. As we ended the day, Ralph asked, Jimmy, would you mind if I find my way home without you? My friend and I would like some time to ourselves. I watched Ralph and Donald walk down 45th Street, their heads up, arm in arm, into a new beginning. My eyes swelled, my heart quickened, and chills flowed up and down my spine. I truly can't describe the divinity that radiated from that moment.
1: That's it for this episode of the StoryCorps Podcast. If there's somebody that you've been meaning to interview, your chance is coming up this Thanksgiving with the great Thanksgiving listen. It's our effort to record an entire generation's stories over one weekend. We're hoping to do this through the StoryCorps app, which you can get on iTunes and Google Play. We're also working with teachers throughout the country to create a national homework assignment around this project. If you're a teacher and you want to do this assignment, go to thegreatlisten.org to find out more. But we want everyone to spread the word. So if you're not a teacher, email your old high school. Ask them to participate. Get in touch with your kid's school. Reach out to every teacher you know. Help us turn this thing into a national moment. For the StoryCorps podcast, I'm Michael Garofalo. Thanks for listening.
2: Hi, Jasmine
0: Belcher-Morris again, reminding you to check out the TED Radio Hour podcast at npr.org
2: slash podcasts and on the NPR One app.